0: Hey everybody, and welcome to the Words Over Whiskey podcast, episode 15. I'm your host, Henry, and joining me as always is Tom. Is it episode 15 already? Episode 15. I, I realised the other day that we've been doing this podcast for a year now.
1: Because, oh, is this our year anniversary podcast?
0: Well, so originally we'd actually started recording in January of last year, but then because I was lazy... I think we'd recorded <coughs> about <laughs> we'd we'd recorded about three episodes um before I got round to editing and uploading them. So we we started recording in January of 2020, but the first episode didn't go up until March. I think it was March tw- 23rd of March.
1: When you we suddenly started. found you had a lot of spare time on your hands.
0: Yeah, it's funny that. It's yeah. Suddenly, yeah.
1: Nothing really
0: going on, so I found a lot of free time. There's so nothing think, else to do. <laughs> So yeah, so I don't really know where our, the anniversary of the um, podcast lands, because we've recorded our first episode in January, but I guess we set it, the channel up in March and got our first episode was published. So I guess, yeah, I guess March is... And technically, if you
1: hadn't said anything, March would be the anniversary. Yeah. No one could prove otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> Except me, I suppose, but that I wouldn't mm. remember. Right,
0: so we're going to kick off with the trivia today, because that leads on to the whiskey, which then leads on to one of the books we're going to be talking about today. So, in the trivia, I'm going to be talking about bourbon. Bourbon.
1: We've, I always I feel really... like John Wick when I'm drinking bourbon. <laughs> you feel like John Wick? Yeah,
0: you've got you've got a bit shorter hair than him. and These days, yeah not as quite as many skills to to make the kills
1: <laughs> i was going to say i'd like to see uh, uh, john wick make a latte he would probably, probably nail that like a, to be honest
0: yeah <laughs> or he ate, or he has like one of those espresso latte making sheet machines or something. I don't
1: know. He'd probably weaponize it though, wouldn't he? He'd probably like stab someone in the eye with a coffee machine or something.
0: Oh my, oh my goodness, we need we need that in the next, in, in John Wick 4. <laughs> yeah. I'll <just laughs> like have, have it playing in the background where I work. A creative contribution.
1: John Wick needs to kill someone with
0: an espresso machine. 100%.
1: 100%. I'll, I'll, I'll just film it, have it playing like, where I work saying, be kind to the baristas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, go back back to the trivia. What do you know about bourbon, Tom? Do you know anything about bourbon? I know that
1: it's made in America. Yes, American whiskey. Yeah. So um, bourbon
0: bourbon can be made anywhere in the USA. The main state, then the number one state for bourbon production is Kentucky.
1: Ah, I would have guessed but, Texas or something like that.
0: No, it's uh, the two two main states are Kentucky and Tennessee. The oh, I would have said Tennessee because yeah. Jack Daniels. Yeah, yeah, no, that that one's obvious. For a for a whiskey to be well, for it to be classed as bourbon, it has fifty one percent of the grain has to be corn, and the rest of the grain used in it can either be barley, wheat, or rye. However, on right. a, if you see if you see on a bottle of uh, bourbon that it's advertised as a bourbon rye, uh, it means that the fifty one percent of the bourbon has to be made. From rye. So that's how you, you don't get the Yeah. So you get the but it's interesting that it's the it's the it's fifty one percent for each. Fifty one percent corn to make it a bourbon. And fifty one. Hold on,
1: wait, 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 It's fifty one percent corn to make it bourbon and fifty one percent what? Rye. So fifty one percent corn, fifty one percent rye. So it's no no hundred and two percent. No, no. no. <laughs> so if it's it, so it, it, no
0: if it's just, no, if it's just called a bourbon. Um, Unless they find ha- a ways
1: to like tar this, the shit out of this whiskey bottle and like get more whiskey in there than it can actually physically fit, which I'd be quite happy with, to be honest. So
0: f- for it to be a bourbon, it has to be 51% of it is made from grain, but then you can have another mix of grains. In uh, Sorry, the grain has to be corn. So 51% of the grain to make the bourbon has to be corn, but the other 49% mm. of it can be made up of barley, wheat or rye. However, if it has the label of being a rye whiskey or a rye bourbon uh, on it, then 51% of the grain used is rye, but then other grains can be used as well within it. I see. It makes sense. And so, you said like rye said, and grain a lot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> did, did that confuse you? A little bit. A little bit. So, like I said, Kentucky is the number one uh, state for producing bourbon in the USA, and so we have a Kentucky bourbon for this episode, and the one we have mm. is Wild Turkey Long Branch, which I have not tried before, and I neither haven't. Neither have I. I've
1: not tried any Wild Turkeys.
0: No, me neither. This, this is my. I Except was trying to it's find Boxing
1: Day or Christmas.
0: <laughs> I was trying to find another Wild Turkey. um to give a try before the episode, but I couldn't find one, so I just ended up uh, ordering ordering this one and thought I'd save it. So it's a really nice amber color, and uh, I the bo- the bottle is nice. I like I like the shape of the bottle, but the thing that sticks stands out to me is
1: the size of the cork. It's absolutely it's it is huge, but I really like the design of the turkey on top. Yeah, it's got a nice like engraving of a turkey in it but it's yeah it's a bit hard wood but and see what you mean that is a beast of a hawk mm. right you ready ready to open it up oh. Tom?
0: oh not gonna lie mine was a very disappointing pop
1: it didn't <laughs> it just
0: kind of it, it came out very smooth and i was hoping for it a... it did
1: that's why i kept twisting it to try and make a noise
0: yeah Cork pop, so not not very satisfactory.
1: The Henry cork pop rating was only about one. Yeah. On the plus side, later in the episode, when I've had a few glasses, it can be much easier for me to open.
0: Yeah. yeah. On the nose, definitely that sort of oaky smell, which I think when we've had uh, when we had uh, Woodford Reserve, it smells like that—that that kind of oaky barrelly scent. Smells quite spicy there, to me. I, it smells quite yeah. spicy. So, I don't know. It's almost something a bit like spice or peppermint, but something that kind of catches at the back of my nose. It's not unpleasant. Maybe but... a
1: little sweet as well. Pete, sweet.
0: No. Oh, sweet. No. Yeah, yeah. It does smell a bit sweet. There's just a there's a hint of something which I can't I can't put my finger on the word for it. But it's a it's a pleasant smell.
1: Yeah. No, I do like it. But it, 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 you can not sort of t- tell tell. How you're spelling it it's got that sharpness in your nose sharpness mm. that's what i'd say sharp smell
0: mm. no smells nice right you ready ready for a taste test
1: yep i've been mm. looking forward to that
0: oh that's uh that's quite a nice complex array of flavors there it kind of I. it's strange like as i took that first sip you could kind of almost feel it rolling onto your tongue it was kind of like yeah a first, uh, almost a slight sweetness and then it kinda of mellowed out and then you get hit by a, a nice burst of flavour and it's it's oaky and it's sort of sweet and th- there's that flavour that I could smell but I can't <laughs> think what it is. And then there's there's that there's a nice lingering warmth and I can I can feel it going down yes. my
1: throat. Yeah, no, I I really could. I thought it was just a like, um a bit of a lightweight, but no, I really could warm me up. Don't need to put a jumper on
0: yeah it's it sort of starts very subtle and it seems to kind of almost cut out in the middle and then you get that burst of
1: flavor at the end. I don't know about it cutting out; it sort of felt like smoothly going down like a boat ride don't know why I said boat ride, but it feels like a boat ride, a nice smooth boat ride
0: what you mean like a lazy river,
1: yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It, 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 oh that's that's
0: what it's like. It's kind of like the lazy river and then when you get to the or it's like the oh, did, did you ever go to Legoland? and you went on the pirate uh ride? Yes. The log flow, Yes, it? It's like where you're going it's going to is it takes you up and then you've you go crashing down in into the water. That's right. <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah. kind of like you're, la- you're on the lazy river and then you swap over to the crashing down into the water with with the explosion of flavor. That's um I think level yeah, sort of a sweetness kind of rolls onto your tongue it's kind of and it stays kind of su- sort of subtle that's it it
1: it, it stays subtle i don't and think i'd say a... subtle i don't think i'd say subtle
0: no 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 but i mean when when the flavor start it's kind of a bit sweet and it kind of stays a bit subtle and then kind of as you swallow it that's that's when the kind of there's the burst of flavor and the warmth and it's when it hits you yeah that's when it hits you <laughs> yeah, so if you hold it in your mouth, you can feel the kind of it's the kind of smoothness and the bit of sweet spice, and then it's kind of as you swallow it, it's the that's where it's kind of the oaky flavour. It's kind of
1: yeah, it's nice. All right, I'm gonna have a quick look and see. Why more. is Matthew McConaughey signed the bottle? That I will Obviously tell you. Obviously not sign my second. specific bottle. Obviously not sign my specific bottle It'd be worth a lot more than it was <laughs> if he had.
0: That I will tell you in a second, because that leads on to the next part. Right, so here we go. Tasting notes. Um this is from Master of Malt. So nose, a sweet blend of caramel, smooth toffee lifted by spiced notes of nutmeg and oak. Nutmeg, nutmeg.
1: Nutmeg was that 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 was the one that you the spicy thing that you could set, uh, tell possibly
0: yeah, um, definitely got a bit of spice and oak from it definitely so that was the nose so palate initially creamy vanilla, faded into buttery caramel orchard fruits a dash of lemon zest tempered by a drizzle of honey
1: yeah I and could say a bit I I, I could taste lemony just the... I would say it's zesty yeah
0: I'd say the sort of the smooth so I'd say. For me, I kind of tasted more of the creamy, creamy vanilla raw butter caramel. Um, right, finish a pinch of black pepper appears to be the finish, followed by underlying buttery note of lingering dry lingering oak. oak.
1: Yeah,
0: and the yeah, that kind of yeah, that's 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 a good description, I think.
1: What yeah, the, no lingering oak. I definitely got that too.
0: Yeah, and a bit of black pepper for the spice. Well, I enjoyed that. It was quite. It wasn't what I was expecting, and I was. What were you expecting? I was expecting sort of an oaky flavor, as like we'd experienced with Woodford Reserve, but I was kind of expecting that to be more. I I was kind of expecting it to be persistent. I thought, oh, it'll it'll smell like that, and it'll kind of taste like that. I wasn't expecting kind of the the smoothness at the start with the explosion of the like black pepper and oak and the really nice warmth at the ends, and that that was where I surprised like oh. Because when I was drinking it, it changed what I thought of it as I drank it so like I said at the start <laughs> I thought it was like, oh this is quite nice and smooth and then there was that, oof, it's got that mmm, nice mix of flavours, so it was, yeah <laughs> oof, it's got that it, oh, oh, it's, it, it, it's alright, alright, alright We need some adjectives it's, oh no
1: it makes me cringe when I hear that
0: right so, as you've already boiled up, and as I think that was a little bit of a perfect segue, you asked why is Matthew McConaughey's name on the bottle, and that is because and his signature, and, his signature. and that is because Matthew McConaughey is a creative director at Wild Turkey.
1: What's and a so creative he, director? He,
0: well, so initially, Wild Turkey um, had approached him to be a brand ambassador for the whiskey. Uh, which uh, other celebrities have done where they they feature in adverts to promote the brand but Matthew McConaughey didn't want to just do that he wanted to be involved in the creative process of the whiskey okay fair enough And so so what he did was he went out to the Wild Turkey Distillery and he met with the head head distillers um, to work out a whiskey that they could collaborate and make together. And so, hello, I think I'm si- a
1: multi-millionaire Hollywood movie star who thinks I can do your job better than you can. Allow me to muscle in. No, it, it was a collaborative effort. So, oh, sorry. So <laughs> it was, of course, it wasn't him telling them how to do
0: their job because I don't think he would know how to make the whiskey. The way it was was him telling them the stuff that he, the flavors he liked within whiskey, mm-hmm. and so. That's what they were trying to reproduce when they were making the whiskey. And so they sent him a bunch of different samples to try until he found the one which he thought, right, this this is what we want. This is what I was aiming for.
1: It was, uh, this sounds like a perfect job, Henry. You yeah. turn up to work, you say what you want to happen, and then you sit down and someone brings you whiskey. <laughs> that sounds perfect.
0: So I, I came I came across this two ways, actually. Uh, one. Was that I'd on YouTube? He did like a little documentary on Wild Turkey and his involvement in it, as well as there's another like he did like a very short series of sort of interview style where he was sit- sitting drinking whiskey with people who've done other cool stuff. And I wish I wish they'd done more because they only did like four or five, but they were really interesting to watch. Fair um, enough. And so I'd, I heard about it uh, through through these uh, adverts but i also happened at the same time uh, to be reading his new book which is called green lights which was released at the end of last year and i got it for christmas and so i read it at the start of uh, march and yeah i really enjoyed it so i thought hey this would be a perfect tie-in with the podcast we talk about his book and yeah we'll try it, try the whiskey because it's not one i tried but i it sounded interesting I'm always up for trying new whiskies.
1: So am I. So am I.
0: So yeah, I I really enjoy. if you're buying. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed his um, his books. It's it it talks about his early life, a lot of his travels. Like he's been to a lot a lot of places, which I never really realised, and kind of his shift in Hollywood. Because I. I kind of only know him from stuff like Wolf of Wall Street, which I think is probably... Although he's barely in in the movie, that scene with him is just so well known. Yes. He's Um, been
1: in Interstellar? Yeah, he's
0: been in Interstellar. Uh, He was in... Did you ever see the series True Detective? No, but I know he's in that. Yeah, he was in the first season of that. Highly recommend it. It's really good. Um... But uh, when I was reading the book, he was originally typecast as like a as a rom com actor.
1: Oh, he's been in a few rom coms actually.
0: Yes, yeah, so like in the early early two thousands, he was sort of he began to be typecast. Yeah. Uh, as a rom com actor. He has been in and a lot of rom coms. Yeah, and then he decided that he didn't really want to do that anymore. So he took about a year or two out of Hollywood because uh, he was like, no, I, I, I only want serious roles, but everyone was still coming to him with rom-com uh, uh, roles. He'd, I mean, I'd take that
1: personally. They're not my favourite kind of film, but for the money.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Pe- people go go to him, they'd be like, right, f- uh, five million for this role, and he'd be like, no. And they'd what? come back and they'd say, ten million. And he, he, he'd he think, and he'd look at the script, maybe, 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 like, no. And they'd come what? back and they'd say, Fifteen million?
1: please tell me he took that
0: no he turned it down because he was like no because he he's he was like i want to get out of being
1: this type of actor i want i think for 15 million that's not a lot i wouldn't sacrifice
0: yeah but he he wanted to change and that's what he was willing to sacrifice
1: to get that change i respect that like not even that amount of money
2: Mm.
0: so after a few years that's when he started getting these other roles like interstellar and wolf of wall street everything like that and where he kind of he rebranded himself as an actor so that that was really interesting to uh read about as well and like just he there's bits in the book just some hilarious stories as well and there's some really in insightful bits as well which was was quite good there's there's like these pages where it, it's as if he's i i think it is his handwriting and it's where he's like handwritten like little sayings or little poems or like little short stories and they're kind of inter intermixed within the chapters and so they're quite they were quite nice to read and a couple of them i was like i've, I've marked the page because i was like oh i like that saying that's quite good or did they involve anyone good. famous no no it's just like his his musings and stuff it, it's almost like it, uh, in a way his like his own little philosophy because he he said that when he was writing um this book it's made up from his his life but it's also made up from countless notes he's taken in journals and like he he's driven all around the states as well and he'd like record himself just saying like random things he was thinking about and so that's that's all been incorporated into the book as well with these little these little passages or little sayings or poems, which I thought was um, quite nice. My only thing, my only problem is with the bits that are handwritten. I, I find his handwriting a little bit difficult to read. So some bits I think, like, so I think most people
1: most struggle men I to know read have, other have difficult handwriting.
0: Yeah, but no, I it, it was a good book. It was in. Interesting, it was quite humorous in some parts, quite heartfelt in others. And I thought it was just the perfect tie in with it, it, it tied into whiskey, it tied yeah. into books. I thought it was like one of the perfect, a good book <laughs> to tie into a
1: podcast about books and whiskey. Speaking about books, what have you read lately, Henry?
0: So I read that at the start of the month. Um, So that was my first book for March. And then after that, I moved on to uh, A Promised Land, which is Obama, Barack Obama's latest book. It's about his time in uh, the presidency. But It it only covers his uh, first term. And it's quite a long book. It's about 700 pages. And he says right at the start of the book that he's had to split it into two because there was so much to talk about. It's only, only the first, I'd say, 50, 60 pages or so cover his early life and then it kind of progresses on to how he um, became a senator and then how he ran for president when he became president and then it goes into his first four, year, four years as president and all the different challenges he had to tackle. Was, I'm not a big reader of Politicians. But I do quite, I quite like Obama because he's a very good orator. I remember like listening to speeches of his. And I remember on um, the day of his inauguration in 2008, my mum said, you've, you've got to watch this, come and sit and watch this because this is history happening right now. This is the first black man being elected president of the United States. This is a historic moment. So I still remember that day sitting with my mum watching it. Um, and yeah, for for a book about politics, I actually found it quite a page turner. <laughs> I, I think I I would I would find myself thinking, "Oh, I'll just read like ten, fifteen pages," and then I I find it quite easy to get through them. It's very well written, even if you like this one. I I don't follow politics religiously. I dabble in it to sort of try and keep a basic understanding of what's going in on in the world. as... I think we should do with like a lot of things, but it it was really, it was really interesting. Even, um, like when he was talking about the financial crisis or, uh, like meetings with uh, other heads of state, it was, it was really interesting to hear about and see like just how much he had, he had to do. And all the different crises he was involved with, was some 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 of the stuff I, I had no clue had happened or had gone on. Um, but it was it was really interesting, and it was funny towards the end of the book. Uh, good old uh, Jamie McRaven, who we've talked about on the podcast, he mm-hmm. he was mentioned in the book when they were talking about the raid on Osama bin Laden and. So he was in it. I was like, "Oh, I recognise that name." Oh. <laughs> so it, it did t- it did take me a bit longer than uh, I'd expected, though. I think it's about seven hundred pages, and I think it took me about three weeks to finish. But it's it was quite quite a heavy heavy book in its way, but it enjoyable nonetheless. Yeah, I would if you if you have any interest in politics or Obama, I would. Definitely recommend it. I think he's also started a podcast with Bruce Springsteen, which I've been listening to at the same time. So that was oh. quite, it's quite interesting to have the uh, duality of that again as well. So yeah, uh, I, I i enjoyed it. I've had some friends that have read it and enjoyed it as well. So it's been quite interesting to see their take on it and see how they got on with it. Yeah. What about you, Tom? What have you been reading?
1: I've been reading um, Gerber Crombie's Latest trilogy. Um, We've mentioned him before on our podcast, haven't we, Henry, with Mm -hmm. his First Lord trilogy, which you and I both love.
0: Yeah, that was probably one of my favourite
1: recommendations that you've given me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is very good. So he's written a sequel trilogy. In between, he wrote a bunch of standalone, separate sequels about different characters. Um, And it's not necessary to read these standalone books. But there are so many references to them, you would definitely get more of the experience if you read those first. Yeah, you've told but
0: me that. You've lent me, the, you've lent me the first one, so I'm,
1: I'm going to read that soon. Best Served Cold by Joe McCrombie. It's a very good book. Um, but So I read this month A Little Hatred by Joe McCrombie and The Trouble With Peace by Joe McCrombie. And because it's him, and because these books are award-winning, I was really looking forward to it. And I maybe overhyped myself because there's nothing wrong with these books at all but i wasn't it's not had quite the impact on me as it so i was hoping it would have so maybe i need to read the third book and then, then i can give you a better answer
0: i i was going to say do you think it's going to be like the first law trilogy where they are each respectively good books in their own right but it's as as the trilogy and as all the threads of the trilogy tie up together in the final book which is I think why we like we like them so much. It's just so masterfully mm-hmm. crafted that everything comes together in the end. Um, I can definitely without... see
1: can definitely see all the strings being nice and neatly severed, as it were, neatly tied away. I can definitely see that happen happening again. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately it's the getting there <laughs> that's annoying me. The stakes are not as not as high as they were in the first Lord trilogy. The pace isn't as pacey. <laughs> For lack of a better word, no, um, we, and we all we all know how you,
0: we know how you all love your pace. How <laughs> oh, I moan and moan about yeah, pace. Not there probably or... is
1: plenty of pace. The pace is okay. I'll just be like, oh, when will it happen? When will it happen? Oh, it's happening. Oh, okay. But that might just be a Tom problem rather than anyone else. But no, I am really enjoying it. It's definitely worth a read. I think I was, I was say. right now, right now, I'm saying not the best, not his best work, but I reckon this time next year. When I finish the book, there's been a few months to finish the books. I probably won't set up about it. I reckon <laughs> right, I'm one of those people who I can't I can't remember what I was doing yesterday, but I can remember last <laughs> year very clearly. So maybe I I need to, a book needs to stew in me for a while, and then I can talk good, well about it. Mm. I was I was going to say without sense. going
0: into. Without going into spoilers, uh, what are the characters like? Because the characters from the previous trilogy are very memorable. How how do the new characters kind of match up in their own regard?
1: In the, the first Lord trilogy, most of the main characters are fantasy archetypical characters with a twist. So you've got your barbarian killer who hates killing your torturer who is actually a really nice guy etc etc
0: who is not a really yeah. nice guy you've said that so many times to describe that character <laughs> and the tr-
1: the truth I is i think i'm quoting a review somewhere yeah no he's not that nice but compared he, he, to what you'd expect from a torturer not ni- he's not that he's too cunning
0: bad. i would describe him as cunning
1: oh yeah but i think he, i think yeah he's not pure
0: evil but he is cunning in a way for his own gain and stuff but he, I'd say a very he's not too bad guy. but the number, of, the, it's, it's the number of times I've heard you say yeah he's a torturer he's actually a really nice guy because when you were <laughs> describing the books to me I thought he was going to be like a guy he'd, like a villain be or something. A, he'd be like a, yeah he'd be like apologising to everyone as he was I'm like so off fingers
1: yeah I really don't think you know what I mean by nice guy no
0: but it's just the way you were describing him to me before I read the books. And it's like, it's not quite the same as I imagined it.
1: Well, he's not... Okay, you've got this villainous character who's not as villainous as you'd expect. I just dumbed that down to nice guy.
0: Mm, I think we have different opinions of what a
1: nice <laughs> guy is. In my opinion, nice guy, guy is just not someone who's not a total dickhead.
0: Yeah, anyway, back to sort of how do the characters stack up? in comparison. Sorry. Yes,
1: um so in comparison as I, as I was trying to say in the original trilogy the characters are fantasy archetypes turned on their heads given the twist. I if that's happened again it's, in this trilogy I haven't noticed it it's not been as as clear. I mean, yeah, you've got heroes who turn out to be dickheads when you meet them and similar situations, but it's it's not been the characters are still great, don't get me wrong. The writing is really sharp, the dialogue is really witty, and I did chuckle away at some some lines. And they, it was really well-crafted, but I wouldn't say it was those sort of characters you like, Henry. The, these um, fantasy classes, if you will, that aren't, aren't what you'd expect. I, I, I think Joe Abercrombie found that getting a bit old and has just gone with actual people now. Does that make sense? Mm. Just much more down to earth.
0: So it's a different kind of style of characterisation that he's gone gone for.
1: Yes, and and it's the same in the. Um, I forget you haven't read any of his other books. He only did what he did with the characters in the first Lord trilogy. In the first Lord trilogy, all his other books is just their their characters, their people with flaws, strengths, yes, but weaknesses and definitely with flaws. And they feel very, very human. Even the villains feel very, very human. It's only in the first Lord trilogy that they are archetypes turned on their head. Unless I'm completely wrong I, and misread it. But I, I
0: still, feel, I still feel like he still made the characters in the first Lord. Although they are, in oh a way yeah, no, I'm, I'm not
1: saying I'm not saying that they're not human. I'm not saying that they're not fascinating people. Logan Ninefingers is one of my favorite fantasy characters in literature, ever, anywhere. It, that It's only in the first law trilogy that I've noticed so clearly him taking these archetypes and turning them on themselves. Mm. So to me, to read the sequel trilogy to the first law and to not see this is not a surprise because in the spin-off books in this series and in his young adult fiction series, that wasn't a trope. Mm. So that 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 wasn't an issue for me at all. I was I'm not not concerned about that. I'm just really hold I really holding out for um for when all the strings come together and when we see who's really pulling them and what's going to happen. There were a few bits that I thought Oh I can't wait for this character to I can't wait for this character to be revealed. I can't wait to see how this character makes an appearance. And then it's just oh yeah and here's so and so I'm like, oh it's that it <laughs> But that's just me.
0: Some some bits haven't had the payoff that we were hoping for.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I could say
0: that. It uh, it'll be interesting to see when the third book does come out and once you've read it if it does do a similar thing to the first Lord trilogy like like we've said before whether it does have that really satisfying payoff where all the threads of the story kind of come together in a nice nice bow in a way.
1: Well, so I, think... I haven't
0: I haven't read them yet. I've got the I've got them sitting on my shelf, but per your recommendation I'm reading the spin-off novels first.
1: Yes. Um, uh, I, I, I do them. recommend it because there are so many references. You you won't notice it if you haven't read the spin off books, and it really won't detract from the experience. But if you do know what all those references have you'll be like, I know that! I know that person! Is that that? Is that so and so? I know what that is! It will make you um, extra hype while you're reading it. And I really enjoyed watching out for these references. Some are really obvious, and others you kind of have to focus a bit. You're like, oh, is that? I, I did enjoy that, like playing detective. Yeah, is that who I think it is? Mm. Mm-hmm. So you fi- you finished both of those now?
0: What, yeah. Have you did you have you read anything else this month, or was it mostly
1: just focused on those those two? They are big books, Henry. <laughs> I know I tend to boast about how quickly I read big books, but bear with me. I have read some other stuff. I returned... Uh, when you were younger, Henry, did you ever read Chronicles of Ancient Darkness by Marcel Paver? The wolf nope. brother books.
0: Are they the ones where it's like the caveman picture of a...
1: Yes, of, of a guy and his wolf. Boy and his yeah, wolf. Yeah, uh, I haven't read them. I think we used to have them, but
0: I never read them.
1: Oh, you're missing out, because they were so good. If you start reading them now, it probably seem quite childish, but they were <laughs> so good. So uh, they've finished the series finished years ago, but the author, Marcel Paver said, "Oh, the character stayed with me, and so she wrote. Some, she's written, written a sequel series, or just a bunch of sequels. So I've I, I read one of those. I, I was hoping you'd read it as well, so that we could share nerdiness. Uh-huh, but yeah, as you sorry. haven't, did it hold up to the original oh, standard? Yes, yes, it did. I mean, bear in mind, it's been about ten years since I've read any of them. But mm-hmm. to give you an idea, this is a fantasy series, but set in the Stone Age. Okay." So they haven't mm-hmm. domesticated horses. That, that's quite interesting. They haven't got any swords because they don't know how to make those yet. It, it, it's, it's really primitive. There's a reason the front cover has a, has a caveman picture. Because that's basically what they are. They live in a hunter-gatherer <laughs> society. So yeah, they've got sorcerers and demons. But they don't even have... They, barely, they can barely make clothes. <laughs> they alone fight these things. And I really yeah, liked the detailed descriptions of all the different tools I think, I think they it was used just one of to survive.
0: Those series that kind of gone. Sorry, I was just going to say I think it was just one. It must have been one of those series that kind of passed me by when I was younger. I think I'd heard of it and I'd seen it around, but never got around to
1: um, reading it. Sorry, you're, as back I said, to what you were you're before. missing out. I was, oh, I was just saying, um, <laughs> I love the descriptions of all the tools they use and like got a, like paragraph of the description of all the different things that they have to use when they make a camp or when they're traveling somewhere or the different things they use, like um, starting the fire with a piece of flint. And so they have like a special fire starting flint that they carry around or a certain type of arrow. Um, and I especially like, and you can call me a bit of a gorehound for this, but, but obviously they're, they're hunter-gatherers, so they hunt. And when they kill something, it describes in excruciating detail how they use yeah. every single part of the animal's body that they've killed. Because in this world, it's considered dishonourable mm. to kill something and not use every part of it. Otherwise, why did you bother killing it? They kind of like they the, leave the, certain parts as offering. They use other parts of the talismans. They eat bits of it. They save bits of the food for later. They feed some so to makes, their That makes me uh, think of... Go on.
0: That sounds like uh, Native Americans in the way. When like they, they'd hunt buffalo. Yes. Use yes. Every, it, it's similar. every I part think, of... Um, it, they either use it for food, or they would use it to make tools, or clothing, exactly. or charms.
1: This one is set in uh, ancient Scandinavia, so they so it's very cold. And if they go north a bit further north, then they meet Eskimos and bears, um, rather than the Great Plains. But yeah, it is very it's a very similar society actually to Native American culture.
0: Maybe I have to go back and. Uh, check those books out at some point.
1: I would recommend it, but remember, Henry, it's written for a young adult audience. So, obviously, you're quite much more mature now. You might be used to something yeah. a bit heavier. You might not find it as good as you would have found it when you were twelve, for instance. But I, re- I recently started reading the second volume of the Book of Dust, Philip Pullman's new series. That's a, um, uh, in the same universe as Dark Materials. Did you see the TV show on 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 BBC? Netflix, BBC. Yeah, we we've discussed it before. It was I really we good. Have really You haven't that. read the books, have you?
0: I r- I've read the original series, the uh, His Dark
1: Materials. Oh, good. Okay, read good, those. Good, good. Probably one of my well, favourite
0: ones from like my childhood, I'd say.
1: I th- I, I fully yeah no I I, I get that they are really good. So um, don't get angry at what I'm going to say next. So the Book of Dust. <laughs> It's been split into several volumes. The first volume is a prequel, and it was great. Mm-hmm. And the second volume, the secret, the secret Commonwealth, that I've just started reading. That's a sequel about mm-hmm. Lyra. And do you ever, do you ever feel like there's a franchise which ends so well that you just that when they make a sequel, you're just annoyed because you've that made, they made that ending not as good or not meaningless.
0: Yeah, some, sometimes things are done so well that. You don't Although don't a lot it. a lot of people might say they really want a sequel. Some things are better left without one.
1: Yep. And that's how I'm feeling with the Secret Commonwealth. If that had been another prequel, I'd have loved it completely. How far into it are you? I'm ninety percent. I'm okay. gonna finish it out of loyalty. But I, I have to admit, it didn't need a sequel, and Considering this is the first we've seen in canon of Lyra since the events of His Dark Materials, I'd like to say the events that she goes through and the stuff that she does herself, I am disappointed. Here's this amazing character from my childhood and not living up to her reputation, but that's sort of part of the book actually. The book has a lot of deep, complex themes, like His Dark Materials did, that have sort of, I'll admit, gone over my head. (laughs) <laughs> and I sort of get the impression, it's kind of the point, that Lyra did some amazing things as a child, but she sort of grows up now, and this becomes another grown-up.
0: Yeah, because that's how the, and I
1: guess, the trilogy
0: kind of ends, with her and the other main characters kind of realising they have grown up, or they're
1: at the stage mm-hmm. of growing up. So now in um, The Secret Commonwealth, Lyra is a young woman. She is in her... In fact, I think she's the same age as us now, Henry. But no, she's a bit younger. She's a bit younger.
0: So early 20s.
1: Yeah. Or I think she might be 20 exactly. I can't remember. And um, it's been a, it's been about eight to 10 years since Historic Materials. And Lyra has completely chilled out. Like completely chilled now. Like you you see in the, uh, in the show or in the books, someone would do something and she would go, No, we can't let this happen. We must stop it. Big ice bear. Come and help me. Like these people, etc., etc. None of that. Absolutely none of that. I wouldn't say that the character of Lyra has completely changed. I think uh, it does a really good way of presenting of of this per- this child. But ten years later, it's just I want more for her. If, that, if you get what I mean, I want. I expected more. If that makes sense,
0: So mm-hmm. it's almost. Kinda of like a shift, shifting character, but I guess I guess that in a way that is
1: again what the book po- the book is about. I don't know what I expected,
0: but, but in a way, I guess that is what happens to people when they grow up. They do, we do, we do change as we grow up. We're not, it, we we might be similar in some ways to how we were as a kid, but we are fundamentally different to how we were then. Time and experience changes everyone, I
1: think. Exactly, I couldn't agree more, but. I didn't want to have to see this happen to one of my one of my childhood characters. I'd rather see a prequel about something else. That being said, I, I did appreciate the opportunity to explore more of the parallel world that it's setting. Because I thought the, the one drawback of his Dark Materials was we didn't spend enough time in Lyra's world. Yeah, so I do agree with that. To be fair.
0: I was gonna say I remember when the first book of Dust came out and it was a prequel series and I thought that was cool. Yeah. Like, oh, that'll be really interesting to check out and read at some point. And then when they released the second one and it was a sequel, I was quite surprised because I thought, oh, yeah, i was surprised that I was surprised he's doing that because I thought it was it kind of left off really well where it was, like you said. But yeah, that it, that that's that's a ser- that's one I need to get round to. Reading at some point, we do uh, do have the first one, but I haven't. It is, it is quite a large book again, so I haven't got round to uh, to reading it. The, but it the writing on, it style the and base.
1: the font is one of those types where it's quite easy to read. It, it won't take you as long as most books that size will. I guarantee you, Henry.
0: Mm-hmm. Not quite as long as the Obama book. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I
0: think um, so. On to my next book, I think because the uh, the Obama book took. Uh, Although it was very enjoyable, it did take longer to read than I thought it would, which me- means that the recommendation you gave to me, I haven't managed to be able to quite finish in time for the podcast. What, although what I was am reading about uh, by Neil Gaiman. Oh,
1: oh yeah. What you? How are you finding that? How? What do you think?
0: I, I'm really enjoying it. I only started yes. it a few days ago, and I'm it's I'm already so about good. two two thirds of the way through. And yeah, it is. It is just classical, classic Neil Gaiman in a way. It's really, really well written, but it's it's interesting. I'm starting to. I'm noticing a theme with his books. Yeah. As to how he takes he takes something that could be quite ordinary, and he adds like this paranormal or. Fantasy strangeness to it, and he inter interweaves that into what we would see as normal and the everyday. So, in uh, Neverwhere, it's the idea uh, that there is London, but then there is also kind of like a secret parallel world to London underneath London called. uh, Oh shoot! Uh, I think it's called uh, above. There's London, which they call the above. And then there's this other London,
1: which they call the Below. Not to mm. rain on your parade, Heming. I'm sorry to interrupt, but there's a whole genre about secret supernatural societies in large urban centres called urban fantasy. Harry Potter is arguably one of these. Not no, to sound I'm, annoying. I'm not.
0: I'm not saying it's. <laughs> I'm not saying it's. I, I, I'm not saying it's uh, something that only Neil Gaiman does. But it's. It's. Uh. If you compare it to other. If you compare it to other books. That he's written. So, like uh, earlier in the year, I read *Ocean at the End of the Lane*, right? And that is a book about childhood memory. Interwoven with those childhood memories is is the fantastical, is the strange, is that uh, you're not quite sure whether this is fiction or reality, and even the characters don't quite know themselves. And it's the same uh, with like Coraline as well. Oh, I see um, what you mean. Um, it's been that's that's a book about this girl who ends up in a parallel world that mirrors her own world with, like, mirrors to her parents. And it's it's the same with Neverwhere, where it's, you have London, but you have this sort of parallel, strange, underworld version of London. It's, it's just really interesting to, now that uh, I'm reading more of Neil Gaiman's books, to see this kind of correlation between them, but... How, I want does you it to so... read
1: American Gods. It'd be interesting to see what I, I you have, think I the have. correlation is. I, yeah, again, that's have another it. thing.
0: Yeah, it, um, again, it, it fits into that. It's America, but underneath the surface of it, there's all this this strange, fantastical going on, and it's just something. It's what Neil Gaiman does so well. He crafts putting something ordinary, the the ordinary world, and between the fabric of that, he puts the extraordinary he he mixes the two together and he just does it so well so he does he does yeah, do I it very
1: well yeah so
0: i i'm really enjoying it i only started it a few few days ago and i'm yeah about 2 thirds of the way through uh, I kind of i kind of wish i had been able to finish it before the podcast but it's it, yeah re- really enjoying it and yeah it's just it's so creative i love some of the fr- the phrases he uses as well it's like uh I think it's like one <laughs> of the characters uh, is angry, and he's and he he says he he went from a red rage to an oil uh, oily grey um, mood or something like that. And I love uh, I love the kind of imagery that gives. you like going from anger to just kind of just being annoyed, and how he describes it. Some of the fantastical elements, like where they they're having to go across this this bridge to get to somewhere and it's just it's like a bridge of darkness and uh you have to pay a toll but you don't know what the toll is and it it could be anything from like an item item you have to your life is the price and it's just a really cool creative element which which i've enjoyed so yeah i i'm really glad you recommended it and it's yeah it's been really good fun to read it, it, it was a welcome. It was quite welcome, I think, after having read Matthew McConaughey's book and
1: uh, the Obama book. <laughs> after two sort autobiographies, you're probably like, you know what? I yeah, want, two, I two, want something.
0: Yeah, I needed something to kind of break up the uh, the uh, autobiographies, and particularly after reading about politics, I needed to something to sort of lighten the mood. <laughs> but yeah, I thought yes. we have another we have another topic to discuss, which is the most recent endeavors of Marvel. However. Before we jump into that, I would like to go back to something that we started in the previous episode oh. which was uh called I think we I think I, I originally titled it something new, but then I think you some you said uh, we're spotlighting it. So Spotlight, I Spotlight, yes. yes. Spotlight that's on.
1: A, I, I like that. I thought on. that
0: was <laughs> I thought that was a good name for this. So the idea with this which we started last episode is that in between the month of uh recording of each episode anything something that we've either one of us have come across like either read it seen it tried it um we we thought we would or heard about it we thought we'd bring to the podcast and share it with you guys so it, it could be something for you to go read something for you to go try to go watch um yeah and so the one i've I'm going to spotlight this this uh episode is another podcast because it ties into something we were talking about uh in the previous episode which was i claudius now oh. um hang the on po- yep i will explain it in just a sec so the podcast i recommend you guys to go check out is called the rest is history and it's as the name suggests, it's a history-based podcast where they pick a pick a topic and they talk about the history of that topic. So they've had stuff from wars to prime ministers. Uh, they recently had an episode about spies, which had uh, uh, they had uh, Ben McIntyre, who's a fantastic historical author. They had him on as a guest. Um, highly recommend his books. They're some of the best. You are a fan of Ben McIntyre. Remember, you are a fan yeah, of Ben McIntyre absolutely fantastic but on one of the, the first episodes of the podcast that I listened to was to do with historical fiction and the two uh, hosts were talking about some of their favourite and some of their least favourite historical fictions and there were a few uh, names mentioned in there which I recognise, they've talked about Bernard Cornwell and his series The Last Kingdom I was like ah, because we've mentioned that on the podcast a few yeah, times we ourselves
1: we're both a fan of that series
0: yeah so they mentioned that i think they i can't remember the name of it but they were talking about another series um which i don't think i've read but it sounded like one you had but i can't can't for the life of me remember the name of it but they Go also on. mentioned i claudius and i thought oh we we talked about that in the previous episode and how funny that that i hear it just after having recorded that and it i thought it was an interesting tie in and i've really enjoyed uh, a number of the other episodes they've done so i if you're interested in history definitely go check out this podcast and it was it was, it was recommended to me by a friend
1: so i am passing on this recommendation very very well what, what did they have to say about i claudius instead of interest and last last kingdom i think they both they both i think they both really enjoyed i like, claudius
0: i think they both highly highly recommend it and they really enjoyed the writing style particularly i think last last kingdom i don't think they i think one of them one of the two there are two hosts i think one of them didn't quite enjoy it as much as the other sounds like us to be honest sounds like us (laughs) yeah i think i think because they were talking about various different historical fiction genres and how some kind of take the basis and then they kind of twist it in as a way where others try to be a more faithful adaptation of history um yeah it was just it was quite interesting to hear some names that i recognized and a few that i didn't um yeah it was it was a good in- episode another one i really liked that they did recently it was it was about weird weird wars where they each came with five different wars that occurred across the uh have have occurred across the world and like how they they might not be well known but they are kind of please tell me unique. someone mentioned
1: the emu war please they tell did. me yeah that was that
0: was that was number one for uh, one of the one of the hosts That's and i was so like funny. I, I i was like if they don't mention that one i will be annoyed and then it was the last one they mentioned i was like yes
1: <laughs> if anyone who doesn't know about the emu war i look up the podcast Henry's recommending. I'll just type it into wikipedia because the wikipedia page is just so i don't know whether they actually don't realize they're being funny or if it's just deadpan but it's, uh, it's isn't there one bit henry you can tell me if i'm wrong if i am but there's one bit where it says um emu war outcome uh, loss for the australian government emus persist
0: yeah I, that does sound familiar <laughs> emus
1: continue to exist <laughs>
0: Yeah, I highly recommend checking <laughs> checking that, uh, out the emu war if you've never heard of it. It is quite uh, amusing and quite strange. It's quite amusing. <laughs> so yeah, that's... This is a full-scale military <laughs> operation against a bunch of fucking emus, and the emus win. <laughs> that's my. That's what I thought I'd spotlight for this episode. So I hope you guys like that recommendation and hope you check it out. So yes, Tom, are you ready to move on to a bit of Marvel? Yep. Right. So I think the previous episode, WandaVision was coming to a close. I think we said we would wait until we had finished to discuss it on this episode. And Falcon and Winter Soldier has just started. We are now at the second episode. So I think we'll start with WandaVision and then we'll move on to our takes on Winter Soldier so far. We'll start with our spoiler-free opinions and we will jump into some spoiler territory. So I will be sure to mark that out in the um, time stamped, so check those if you do not want to be spoiled. Right, Tom. Spoiler free opinions on One Division.
1: I found so obviously the series is taking a lot of inspiration from sitcoms, American sitcoms, throughout history. I don't think that's a spoiler. I'm pretty certain that's pretty, been pretty well advertised. Right. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, especially in the early episodes, that was overdone. Yeah, that that sentiment uh, It's strongly felt. For, I believe in the community. With, it, it was uh, overdone. Yeah. It, it was really good. Don't get me wrong. and done really well, but overdone.
0: Yeah, a couple of my friends who watched it, they, I think they either didn't like like it as much or kind of struggled to get through the first few episodes because they 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 understood why I struggled. Why it was... I struggled to
1: get through the first episodes. I was sitting there going, "Why the fuck am I sitting through this?"
0: For me, I because I knew kind of like I. I from descriptions of what the show was going to be about and everything they'd advertised I kind of knew what to expect and I thought okay the first the first few will be like this with these these sitcom elements well I knew They're there'd a bit... be
1: a lot of sitcom elements I knew that but I would have thought there'd be at least some clues as to the bigger picture but, <laughs> but there on. were
0: there were there were in the episodes there were hints that
1: there wasn't something but only the quite... sort of hints that you'd understand weeks later I suppose to be fair to be fair Henry if I watched it now I could watch it back to back couldn't I so if I mm. watched how many episodes are there six eight nine nine if I watched all nine back to back if I binge watched it it'd be fine I wouldn't have a problem yep. I think it's because I, I would watch the first episode for instance and be like the fuck was that about and then a week later watch episode two and still have no actual idea about the larger picture, just have two, ep- two, two sitcom episodes essentially. I think you're gonna. I I think if I think if people wanted to give it up at that point, I fully understand. Yeah, but I think I think I, uh... it, it, I couldn't actually give it a, as much of a chance as I'd like to give it, because I'm like I get an hour a week and that hour is wasted. But if I was gonna sit down and binge half the season, I, it it would be fine. It would stand up. It would be fine. Hmm. I've think Skate through the first three episodes, basically.
0: Yeah, I think that's where people struggled, where the first few episodes didn't quite have the impact that later ones had, I think, because people had to wait wait the week to see what was going to happen next. They they kind of felt like the build-up was a bit slow. It It made sense once you got later into the series and the pieces kind of began to fall into place. But I think the initial kind of slow start to the season was what some uh, people some people struggled with
1: yeah which I, I
0: i do i do get but i have to i think it has a really good payoff because i think by the time you're on one, once you're on episode 4 and the pieces of the puzzle start to come together you see how well it's crafted and it's really well done and really enjoyable yes no I, it's so I,
1: definitely worth giving it the time although arguably henry could you skip the first two episodes i think you could quite quite possibly i think them there
0: are probably a few scenes in the first couple of episodes that would help you understand uh or are kind of key pieces later on but the yeah the majority of at least the first couple of episodes if you don't want to sit through through them they you're not missing too much to be
1: fair the episodes aren't very long they're only about half an hour so yeah. You may you may as well watch them, but <laughs> I'm slightly annoyed with with them though because there's about, about ten minutes ten, of credits, ten, ten, isn't there? Ten,
0: yeah, and about another three minutes of catching you up on what happened in the previous episode.
1: Yeah, yeah. So th- th- they say, oh, this episode this episode's gonna be longer, and well, they're technically true, right? It's because they've added in like extra hundred people to the credits or something.
0: Yeah, spoiler free. I would highly recommend it because particularly the second half of the season is great really comes together lots of cool stuff happens some unexpected stuff happens and yeah it's that it was really well done like the quality just improved later on I found it just got a lot better yeah no I couldn't agree more right okay that's the spoiler free section gone We're going into spoiler territory now, so if you don't want to hear this, skip ahead. You've been warned. Warning, you've been warned. I'm going to say, that final episode... Oh, the finale! The finale was great. It was almost like Marvel movie-esque. Oh, yes. (laughs) Oh, yes. With with the production quality, it was was great.
1: Yeah, no, I, I have to admit, definitely worth the wait. Of nine weeks. Definitely worth nine <laughs> weeks wait. Would I have minded if they just made a Wonder film? No. But still, TV shows is okay.
0: It's Disney diversifying, trying to get as much of our money as
1: they can. Yeah. Although, to be honest, that song, the Agatha All Along song, is stuck in my head. I was going to play it just now, surprise you with it, but I'm worried about copyrights. I was going to say <laughs> I, I still
0: find um, Toss a Coin to Your Witcher was more catchy if I'm honest
1: oh 100% that's, that, that's always stuck in my head as well but
0: I have to admit I find it I found it hilarious that whilst WandaVision was happening there were so many people with all the different theories as to who the real villain was it was like the hexagon means it's this guy because this and this reason and then it's we've got this guy and it's going to turn out to be him and then it, yeah, it was Agnes. So many people said wrong. it would be Mephisto,
1: who is Marvel's yeah. version of Off the devil. But it's just, nope, just, uh, just Agnes. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a big spoiler. you definitely sort of skipped if you just heard me say that.
0: But yeah, I th- I thought it was really well done. It was interesting how, in the earlier episodes, we thought Wanda had gone and taken Vision's body from the s- s- sword headquarters. Because that but... line bit Hayward. <laughs> and then later, it turned out he was actually just a...
1: Construct from her powers. Yeah, I mean, is it anything it he can't do? Can't bring a brother back. Oh, that's cold. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently, hang on, apparently Agatha can, so... But it wasn't her brother. Well, no, it wasn't, it was fake Pietro tro, I think they said.
0: What did you think of that, by the way? Because everyone's like, "Oh my goodness, this is how they are It's they're the mutant guy. The it's the guy from X Men. It's the guy from
1: X Men. And then they just and this, uh, uh, there were so many people saying. Now that they have got the, the actor who played Quicksilver from the X Men, there were loads of people saying online and people I know. Loads of people saying, "Oh, does this mean they're going to finally introduce mutants to the MCU?" And then Marvel just reduced <laughs> this down to a boner joke.
0: which lots of people were upset by
1: or this for a (laughs) boner joke (laughs) now that that trend of hyping up something and then deliberately making it a letdown it was funny in Iron Man 3 with the Mandarin it was admittedly a bit of a disappointment in Captain Marvel with how Nick Fury loses an
0: eye
1: I'm still furious
0: about that that really pissed me off that was such a shit
1: but now (laughs) I am getting really fucking sick of it with the boner joke I mean
0: this one I'm not I'm not as upset as other people because I really I I, I can't see them using the cast from the Fox X-Men films and I don't want them
1: to but I would kind of like to see Wolverine turn up and tell all the other Avengers to fuck themselves again
0: (laughs) (laughs) You do know he was in um, that X Men film, the one
1: the Apocalypse the three- is it or um, not Apocalypse? Um, first class. There's a few. Oh, no, it is first class. You're right. Um, yeah, no, he does. Yeah. And they walk in and they and he says, "Fuck yourself." Yeah, that 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 is the scene I was referencing just then.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, the reason um, Hugh Jackman agreed to being in having that cameo was he was like, I, I want to swear in that." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, my one, okay. my one request is that I get to swear at them in that scene, <laughs> and it is perfect.
1: <laughs> Interesting bit of trivia: Hugh Jackman, before he played the part of Wolverine, didn't actually know that Wolverines existed. He thought yeah. they were an, a, a myth or something. The animal, Wolverine. He's he thought from th- Australia. There aren't any Wolverines in Australia. Are they what? I oh, is Oh, I think no, so. Thinking... If you're thinking of Tasmanian devil, I think. Oh, I'm thinking
0: of I'm thinking of Tasmanian devils.
1: Yeah, yes, you are. No, that. Wolverines are from Europe and America, I believe. Northern America and Europe, I think, if I'm getting that right. But they are a, they are an animal. They are pretty vicious little things that can take on much bigger animals and still win. Which is why the character Logan is called Wolverine. Because although he's meant to be quite small, he is a vicious fighter. Uh, Hugh Jackman apparently just thought they made up the name for the character.
0: Did did you know originally the character of Wolverine was like going to be a badger or something?
1: Well, yeah, if that makes sense. They do look similar, actually, badgers and Wolverines.
0: Yeah, it was quite amusing. I thought.
1: But anyway, sorry, we've gone off on a bit of a tangent.
0: Um, yes. But back to WandaVision. What what did you make of sort of like the second half of the series where it kind of really began to kick off and they
1: introduced- so much better, so much better. If the first half of the season. Had been as good as the second half. I think it would have been an absolute hit. I just think the first half actually killed so many viewers for it. I think it, no, slowed, because it
0: slowed it down.
1: Yeah, because yeah, this, this is a spoiler discussing. So I could say the first the first two episodes has absolutely nothing to do with anything that's going on outside of the hex. That Apart know
0: from a few, a few.
1: Apart little, from a few a little, little bits, but that's it. And you just. I got really frustrated watching these episodes. I remember sent them through the first episode and it ends. I was there like, that's it. That's fucking it. I watched a fucking sitcom episode for nothing. And most of that episode was cringe humour. And I really hate cringe humour. I think you're the same.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think I've tried like watching like both the British and the American office and they're just so full of cringe humour. I I can't watch them. I'm really not a fan of cringe humour. I just find no, it uncomfortable and awkward. And I'm like it's not funny, to me at least. But yeah, I think I, I think I just kind of persisted with those first few episodes because I wanted to see like what what little hints and stuff they dropped towards the future episodes. And or, I agree they weren't my favourite. I think it was from episode four that I really. It's like okay, this is where we get into like the meat meat of the series, um, and it got it got really good. And what um. I I love the calls for um I think is it is it Jimmy Chin uh, Jimmy Wu I don't know J- uh, uh, um but the the FBI agent um they they've called for uh, a series um it, for him to have his own series of where he goes around kind of investigating strange goings on almost <laughs> like a Marvel version of the X Files
1: yeah no I get no I, I would fully be on board for that. I oh, definitely
0: and, and I loved um cuz he was in the amp, uh, the second amp am film. I love how they've kept the continuity of him learning the card trick where he, he <laughs> does the card trick where he makes the business card appear in his hand with magic.
1: Yes, Jimmy Wu. The character Jimmy Wu played by Randall Park. Uh, who a... is also in the American Office, FYI.
0: Uh yeah, he he plays a cameo role in it where he he uh, he he replaces John Kaczynski's character. Um, he plays a prank on one on this
1: one of the characters, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah.
0: It's it's one of the few clips that I've seen from the American Office, and I have to admit that that is funny because <laughs> they replace all the family photos and everything. With yeah, him.
1: just Dwight's face when he looks at the photo. He's like, "What?
0: You're not Jim? You're wait, what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is Jim." What?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh. But the later, the later parts of the series where there's the the action and ah uh, it and um yeah it just it it got really good. What what did you think of um uh wandering uh visions children Wiccan and oh no sorry that's their superhero name um Billy and Tommy is
1: it Billy and Tommy. What did you make of them? Um, I know they play a big part in the comics. Yeah. I know they're very powerful and very important in the comics. Apart from that, <laughs> they're very much of an impression on me, to be honest. I don't know there are the conspiracy it's, 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 theories around them.
0: Cause, yeah, because it's interesting, Like with them sort of disappearing at the end of the series, but then there's talks that there's going to be young Avengers. I wonder how they'll go about possibly reintroducing them. Well, maybe. Because... because the whole pre- the whole idea with, one um, division is that the events of WandaVision will tie into the next Doctor Strange film, which will then tie into uh, the third Spider Man film. They have a sort of like interconnecting link. But the thing the thing is, I think it was like it was Kevin Feige uh, who's head of um, Marvel. He said that you people don't have to have watched the TV series for the films to make sense.
1: Well, maybe it'll be a, like a, um, like I said earlier in this episode, a Gerber Crumbie scenario where you don't have to have, have read the uh, spinoff books, or in this case, a spinoff series. But if you do, you'll be able to pick up on more references and enjoy the experience uh, that's, more.
0: That's a good observation. Yeah, maybe it is like that. That'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I, th- I think you're probably right that if you have seen them, you'll notice bits that or like cameos or Easter eggs that other people might not know, but having seen the series, you will. But yeah, overall, I, th- I think I, I I did really enjoy One Division overall. But I think it was the latter half of the series that made it great.
1: Yeah, um, that finale with all the explosions and magic—it was and the, worth the, waiting for. <laughs> but
0: and the the talk of ship of Theseus. <laughs> oh, that's that's another thing. I'm really, I'm really intrigued as to how how White Vision is gonna play a
1: part. Oh, that's true. Just... Maybe he'll um, maybe there'll be the Avengers. team will be in a really difficult situation, and then he'll show up and be like, "It's me. Surprise. I am Vision. I've finally decided. Fuck the ship of Cepheus Serpiscius. F- F- <laughs> I can't even speak now. I reckon but he's I, gonna end I, I, up helping them." I did.
0: I quite, I quite like that in a way. It's that they, they went from like a full-on fight to suddenly having a philosophical debate. Meanwhile, <laughs> there's more fighting going on outside whilst they're floating there and having a philosophical uh, have seen, have, have discussion. Have you seen the memes
1: of um, <laughs> like everyone else is throwing down? You just got these two guys having a perfectly ordinary conversation
0: yeah <laughs> I, I I did quite enjoy it though it was quite amusing at, at the same time but yeah it'll be interesting to see how he factors into future um events and it and again it's like um as soon as I saw it i because I know it's like comic book accurate he it is from the comics and it's just so cool to see when they're bringing in this it was like when they uh in the Halloween episode where they uh Wanda and vision are wearing their the, original costumes, costumes, yeah. Original costumes from the, the comics. It, I I love all those little comic book tie-ins as well. They're and Easter eggs. They're really, really nice to see. But yeah, I enjoyed One Division overall. It was really well done. Really, really did enjoy. Definitely, the second second half of the season it was really strong. Be interesting to see how it ties in with the Doctor Strange film, particularly particularly that ending with that post credit scene. Be oh
1: yes! To see what happened? And what did you think about the first two episodes of Falcon and Winter Soldier, Henry?
0: We'll start with non-spoilers again. Yep, yep, yep. N- non-spoilers. Absolutely loving it so far. I, <laughs> I it it did what WandaVision didn't do, and it went straight in with the action and the. Yes,
1: it did. Yes, it is, and I Straight think from the it, that word go. really helped kickstart it. No, I, I I think it was a, definitely a much um, much needed breath of fresh air. I don't think at any point in all of WandaVision, anyone gets punched. No, that's a <laughs> lie. That is a lie. But you no, get what usually I mean. Get thrown around with magic. Usually, yes, but you get what I mean. It was a, it was refreshing mm. to see some people who are not enhanced doing heroic things, although they kind of are, because Bucky's
0: got the superhero. Bucky isn't half, I sort of meant Sam. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, true.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it really, really good start to the series. It straight in there with the action, some really cool set pieces and yeah, fight scenes are fantastic. But I also like the kind of quieter moments where it's like where you see Sam with his family and he's talking about it actually, actually I don't actually don't think it's I can't remember whether it's mentioned in the episode or a recent I think they did a recent Falcon and Winter Soldier tie into an Xbox trailer or something where he says like before the um blip my uh my nephews were babies and now I come back and they they've all grown up.
1: No, that wasn't the episode, that was in the episode. Oh, it was in the episode. Yeah, yeah, okay. that was in the episode.
0: Yeah, I like how there are the kind of those, those quieter moments, um, and like with, with him going to uh, the bank with his sister to try and get a loan to keep their family. This business is the non this, this,
1: this is the spoiler-free discussion. Yes. Yeah, but that isn't overly. <laughs> that's, that's not. That's not important. Yeah. It, what else sorry. going to say was I really I, I, liked I, I, how... actually no I guess sorry it I'll does. let you finish sorry yeah so I'll let you finish. I,
0: yeah, sorry, you were probably right. It is a tiny bit spoilery, but yeah, I, I, I really, really like the action pieces. Um, but I think it does a really good contrast of taking the action and taking the quieter moments as well. And I, I liked particularly in the first episode how it was almost two mini episodes in a way. There's kind of a focus on Sam and then there's
1: a focus on Bucky. Yeah, to introduce the characters. Mm. What I really like about this. Serious though, well, I suppose it's similar in one division is you've got these two heroes, but they're dealing with complex issues of mental health and uh, racial inequality mm. in the Marvel universe. Yeah,
0: and it's really well. It's really well presented. It's really well, really well, well done. Well handled. Yeah, well handled. Yeah, I think I think when Falcon and Winter Soldier, it's such a mouthful. That's my only problem with the series title is it such a mouthful to say f a w s
1: f a w s fours <laughs> even that sounds
0: sounds a pain to say mm. but uh, uh spoiler spoiler free uh really strong intro and i'm really really enjoying it so far
1: i hope that doesn't mean it's going to be a really weak finish
0: i hope not but uh, with a strong start and the second, I think the sec, second, second, first and second episode was so good. I think it should carry on being the way it is. Spoiler discussion?
1: Spoiler discussion. I'm going to want to punch US agent in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'm not the biggest fan of Captain America. Like, this idea of someone who is stands for truth and equality and the American way really annoys me because the American way throughout history has had very little to do with the truth and very little to do with equality. So it just seems very hypocritical. Captain America, the whole idea seems hypocritical. And I really love the scene in 4.2 where Loki actually does touch on that, but like takes the piss out of Captain America for that. That being said, US agent, he just has that sort of face that you just want to punch. He's <laughs> just that sort of face. <laughs> So, although, Captain America, there is no love lost between us, I will fight your corner against US Agent. Just because I don't I, like I, him. I
0: don't know. I feel like, because he was kind of, own. Oh, so far he's only been properly in Episode 2. He was introduced right at the end of Episode 1, but he's only sort of really featured in Episode 2. And I think because of the comic books and everything and all the stuff's around the series, everyone's kind of built up that we're meant to hate him because he's replacing Steve and um, it should have been Sam. But I, I and I understand it. He, he probably won't be the most likable character by the end of the series. But at the moment he's, I kind of feel he is in a mix. Like he's not, he's definitely not the worst character out there. I think there are a lot worse characters and more evil characters to kind of hate and dislike. It's kind of interesting. I I think it does have some sort, particularly towards the end of the second episode, you see he has a kind of arrogance about him. Um, I, but I, I, at the moment, I, I'm not like, oh god, I've, I hate his guts. Well, I, I hate his character.
1: Don't I mean, hate his guts. He's always a nice person. I just want to punch him in the face. <laughs> just,
0: yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see um, how his character develops and what he's like at the end of the series and what events transpire. Um, but uh, do, <laughs> a fun bit of trivia: I can't remember the actor's name who plays. uh us agent but her, Wyatt uh, Russell but and
1: Wyatt his name is Wyatt Russell and Wyatt. he is the son of the guy who plays Star-Lord's father in Guardians 2 Kurt Russell
0: oh really I didn't know that
1: yeah oh, did, that, cool. I I, I run up your interest in trivia and uh yeah he's <laughs> Kurt Russell's son Wyatt Russell <laughs> okay
0: Alright, I will trade you uh, one bit of interesting trivia for another. Uh, Wyatt Russell, his first ever acting audition was originally for Captain America, which Chris Evans eventually ended up getting, but it is funny how that's kind of come full circle in its way.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Just just Wyatt Russell going, Fuck you guys! (laughs) I got it one way or the other.
2: Mm. Mm. Uh,
1: I really I really wish actually when, when Wyatt Russell went for that audition, as he's walking out um, Chris Evans is walking in and Chris Evans is looking, kind of looks at him and goes you can have this part over my dead body I'd like that I wish that happens <laughs> um,
0: did you know uh, have, have you heard of the actor John Krasinski yeah
1: he's in um, uh, The Office obviously Um yeah. doesn't he star in and direct A Quiet Place
0: yes Yeah.
1: That's a good film.
0: Um, yeah, he he also auditioned for uh, Captain America as well. What? I can't see he that. He was originally, he was originally one of the uh, actors considered for the role. I think he did audition, but uh, no, I can't <laughs> see he, that. He didn't didn't get it. I I can definitely see him as uh, Mister Fantastic. Yeah. In the no, one hundred percent. Him and his wife um, Emily, Emily Blunt. Blunt. They're they're like top fan favorites for. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Fantastic. Yeah, I no, like, that's I fair. Def- I could definitely see. And I would really like them both in the MCU. Anyway, going back to Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, it's like you said, I really like... I, of course, I love the action, love the those uh, amazing set pieces, which I'll go back to in a sec. But I like how particularly in that first episode and also in the most recent episode they touched on like bucky suffering with his mental health and sam dealing with issues of race like that that moment in the second episode where uh, bucky and sam are arguing in the street and the cops turn up and they they're saying to uh, Bucky is this man bothering you saying like is Sam, is Sam bothering you and then but as soon as they realize oh he's the Falcon it's oh no, no, no it's, we're so sorry it's all cool yeah and can we get a photo with you it's it's only once they have it's uh, I like how
1: they this is more down to him. earth it's more down to earth yes. than the Avengers films who are like oh no aliens are attacking it's more like these are actual problems that everyone faces um,
0: in intersposed with Super Soldier Bad Guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I get your point there. Question, Henry. Yeah. The yes. the young lady who's in charge of the Super Soldier Bad Guys. Is she uh, in Solo Star Wars story?
0: Yes. Yes she is. She's um
1: The Marauder girl. Yes. Yeah she is. Oh well recognised. I didn't I hadn't I t- I hadn't pegged that. Hang on, let me just check that I got that right. Give me a second. I, I am pretty. Sh- I'm. Pretty I, sure I think you I'm are. right. I'm. But let me
0: let me check. I was not expecting expecting her to have a British accent though. I, for some reason, I thought she'd be American. When she started speaking with a British accent, I was quite surprised.
1: Uh, yes, that is her. That's the same person. What's her, What's the actress's name? Her name is Erin Kellyman. What else has she been in, does it say? So obviously it's Solo and Falcon, the Winter Soldier. She's also been in Les Mis. Mm-hmm. I, haven't, I haven't seen the film. I've seen the stage production, which is fantastic. She's in a TV miniseries of Les Mis. But she's not actually been movie. in very much. She's, she's got 10 credits as an actress on um, IMDb. Only 10. Um, yeah, well, right. I suppose many expiring actors would probably be quite angry with me saying only 10. But you know what I mean? <laughs> um, I don't know if you've yeah. heard of any of these others. Raised by Wolves, The Coopers versus the Rest, Uncle, Don't Forget the Driver, Life. I recognise the Raised by
0: Wolves one. I think that's a film. I haven't seen that's a TV it. has got TV uh, I think it's got the guy who plays uh, Ragnar Lothbrook in it.
1: It's a TV series. Um,
0: yeah. Uh, I, I recognise the name of it and I've seen the
1: trailer, but I haven't actually seen it no me neither she's not been in much else so i'm quite proud that i recognized her yeah i was gonna say well recognized though
0: no i didn't didn't pick that one but yeah sorry what what else were you going to say about her or was that was that, that it? was it that was it
1: don't, don't ask for more i'm proud enough i got oh, that okay.
0: <laughs> but uh yeah no i i'm really 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 enjoyed what my one gripe is, what's happened to Sam's submachine guns? Like, why does he no longer use those? They've, they've disappeared. Um, and like, I, I remember in the in the in uh, Winter Soldier where he was introduced. I thought it was so badass that he would like fly in, he'd shoot, and then fly out. And now he's got rid of
1: them. And I'm like, oh, I guess uh, maybe Disney doesn't want its heroes got, uh, toting massive guns. Are they saying?
0: So, yeah, but then you had uh, a US agent. He had his shield and then he pulled out his gun and shot the guy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> or
0: is that just another reason why
1: he is the bad guy? I guess guy? so. Then again, US agent has absolutely no enhancements whatsoever and yet is fighting these super soldiers by himself okay.
0: Mm, yeah. Uh, uh, I, just, I just found it funny that Sam's fighting a bunch of these... Super soldiers, or like when he was fight. Ah, oh, that that's something I loved from the first episode, where he's fighting the the French mercenary who was in the start of uh the Winter and Soldier And who film. pointed that out to you? I I know you, you're going to say you did, but I already oh, knew okay. that. Okay. No, I reg- I recognised it. Oh him. no, it wasn't you. I pointed
1: <laughs> out to or someone else. My bad.
0: Yeah, because we 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 did discuss it. I was like, oh, did you know he's a MMA fighter or something? Oh yeah, like no, I got you confused with someone <laughs> yeah. else there. Yeah uh, I I loved that continuity that he he appeared in it again but even even then I fi- I found it funny that when they were fighting in the plane Sam's there trying to punch and kick people whilst they're shooting him and it was like what happened to his submachine yeah, gun that would they be much so easier cool.
1: <sighs> maybe did yeah, someone who accidentally does. hit the hostage true that's that's a good point but then why when they dive out the plane why doesn't he shoot the guys who don't have the hostage exactly like why? Why did he get rid of his, uh, his again? Machine in, in, uh, guns? I, whenever this sort of thing happens, I am suspicious of Disney trying to be too PC. Mm. Oh, so I say PC yeah. not to kill? I, that, that's, it's not really correct about not like... to murder people, I suppose. <laughs> but you know what I mean, too child friendly. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I, that's that's my only kind of gripe with the character. Like it's it hasn't been explained why why they just disappeared. I guess oh maybe because he's trying to emulate Captain America. Like, even so, like Keep Steve had a gun in it. the very first first um, Captain America film. But yeah, I loving loving the action sequence. I'm loving like the themes they're exploring as well. And I think it's a lot a lot more fast paced than them, um, particularly the first half of One Division. I my I'm slightly upset that it's only going to be six episodes. But I think it I think it's rumored that it might be one of those series that um, might get a second season. Mm. But uh, yeah, de- I'm definitely really enjoying it. Uh, I I really like the uh, scene where Bucky's on a date as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, no, I get that. I always get a little bit annoyed about that sort he... of thing, but to be fair, it was well done. Yeah, it's like
0: where she comments how much he can drink, he just uh, s- smirks and doesn't say anything because he he can't get drunk. It's stuff like, why do you wear gloves? Uh, I've got poor circulation because he can't exactly say, I have a vibrami- vibranium okay, arm. Okay, I,
1: I get that, that's quite funny, but then again assuming the day goes really well he'd have to take his shirt off at some point, right? <laughs> then
0: he'd have some explaining to
1: do. Yeah, so you'd, well, if I were him, I'd get it out of the way now. Or just not wear the arm. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I loved it when the uh, the uh, old guy he was with he was the one who set him up on the date. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: that was good. Yeah, definitely, definitely enjoying enjoying this series. Anything else to add?
1: No, no, I'm enjoying the series too. Will I enjoy it as much as Wonder Vision though? So far, based on the first two episodes of Wonder compared to the first two episodes of Falcon the Winter Soldier, i have enjoyed F- Falcon and Winter Soldier more mm. and it is Sorry. a massive mouthful to say I said that about three times in one sentence I know. that is annoying are you sure we I can't just say you. Fours. F <laughs> F-A-W-S, but it, F-A-W-S. Just, it
0: just it just sounds like Thor that way and people think why are they talking about the Thor films
1: F-A-W-S we're going to say F-A-W-S F-A-W-S <laughs> works a little bit better but not much it's still quicker than Falcon and Winter Soldier Can <laughs> you say Falcon because it's kind of his show. Yeah, probably easier.
0: Cool. Well, with that, I think we've kind of covered the topics for this this episode and this month. Oh, before we go, though, any, any suggestions for what I should read for the next episode? I know you... You've lent me best serve cold. So Joe Abercrombie. Hurry up and read that should book. I, hurry I... up and
1: read it. All right. Shall should that, that, should that be that next read? That's what you need to read. That's reader, what you need to read. All right. You're going to love that book so much. And I can't wait to hear what you have to say.
0: All right. That's that's going to be my next read suggestion from you. For me. I know. For, yeah. I know we have the next Skullduggery Pleasant coming out at the start of April so that will definitely be a book we will be discussing in the next episode so that will be our combined yes yes Henry right so my suggestion for you is it's a fairly short book but it is one of the books that I hear recommended the most I have read it loved it I was given to it by a friend I have given it to another friend and I think you will find it interesting and also quite useful it's not philosophy is it and it's not philosophy but I think it's but. for you for you as a writer I think it will help engage you um, and motivate you
1: wannabe writer <laughs>
0: um, and it's uh, The War on Art by Stephen Pressfield
1: I think you've mentioned this before. Have you ever heard of it before? I think you've mentioned it before. Yes.
0: Yes. Uh, I think because last year was when I... uh, I think early on, I think it was either our first or second episode was when I had read it and I mentioned it. It might have been in our very first episode and I included it in uh, my list of top books that I'd read in 2019. Fair enough. Uh,
1: What's it about? So,
0: Art on War. It's about... Art on War. The idea Art on War.
1: (laughs) War on
0: art. How much spoiled <laughs> oh turkey have you had? A few glasses. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. It's nice, but it's very. Um, it's not. It's not one I'm finding that I'm going through quickly. It's one I'm taking the time to savour and enjoy, which I think is a good sign.
1: You've not finished it. Anyway, yes. Oh, oh sorry, the whiskey. Sorry, I got <laughs> like
0: God. I was go- I was going to say. Could you imagine if I drank the whole bottle in one night? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, the war on art. It's. It's a short book. It's only about 100, 150 pages, I think. Stephen Pressfield, he's he's written a, a few other books um, focusing on like the creative process, but is, he's also a big historical fiction writer, which I didn't actually know until I heard him on a podcast recently, so I'm going to have to pick up some of his other books to check those out. But the idea of The War on Art is it talks about creative process and artists and not necessarily just people who are painting or uh, drawing it is the creative and it is focused at the creative so the artist the writer the um, filmmaker the photographer and it's how to overcome the self-imposed barriers that creatives set themselves so like when um you Tom, probably as a writer you've you've struggled sometimes when you have an idea and you don't think it's good enough. Yeah. Or yeah. you no, I know don't, you don't have, you don't have the motivation to write. Yep. You think, yep I know that one way why, too much why, as well. Yeah. Why, why would I write about this? No one will care. Or oh, I, I, I I'll, I'll, I'll get started. I'll get started. And you keep putting off and putting off. And it's, it's a short book, but it imparts this message that, get past there is a way past this creative barrier there is a way for you to put in the work put in the effort and you will you will be able to do it don't let this doubt and this fear hold you back and it's for such a short book it imparts its message so well yeah it's i i like i've uh i was given the copy by a friend i read it loved it i've passed that copy on to another friend with instructions to say when you meet someone who you think needs this book pass it on to them i have another copy just because i enjoyed it so much <laughs> um which i will i'll let you borrow
1: it's okay i just ordered uh, myself a copy oh really
0: <laughs> fair um yeah yeah uh, it's been a little while since i've read it but i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna go through it again because it's such a fantastic short book but the message that it imparts is fantastic so yeah, that is my recommendation for you, and I'll be intrigued to see what you say.
1: I put a lot of trust in you here, Henry. After your last recommendation. <laughs> let, let,
0: let let's let's hope you stick with this one compared to meditations.
1: You got to admit though, meditations was a long stretch. <laughs> for you, yes, but
0: I I I was I was hoping I, I seeing as it, it wasn't too long, I was hoping he might finish. Oh, we've 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 discussed that today, <laughs> anyway. We'll leave, we'll leave that. Right. To wrap up the episode, Tom, you have a
1: quote for us. I do indeed. Another whiskey based one. Obviously, it's a whiskey based one. So, it's a whiskey podcast. It's sort of a dad joke type whiskey podcast. So, sort of bear with me here. But (laughs) the quote is I'm on a whiskey diet. I've lost three days already. (laughs) Tough crowd. (laughs) And that's from Tommy Cooper, a um, famous British comedian. Uh, a, a long time ago. Yeah, uh,
0: dear, another whiskey lover missing out on his whiskey. Yeah, I quite enjoyed that. It's quite like you said; it is kind of dad joke in its way, but it's <laughs> quite amusing. Right, so skullduggery Pleasant, War on Art, and best served, best served cold. served cold. As well as probably by the time of next episode, we'll have finished Falcon and Winter Soldier so we'll be able to discuss the season finale of that
1: spoiler free and fully spoilery discussion
0: yep but hopefully you guys will be joining us for that hope you tune in next time thank you for joining us on this episode stay safe keep well and we'll see you guys next time take care bye